thought I should Something told me not to go Cold hand reached out I let the noise uh, Welcome to Perfect out. Brainstorm, creative challenges for the creatively challenged. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bodily. I, I'm Jake Bush. And welcome to our tavern, weary oh, traveler. That's, I'm that's not doing a voice today. yet, but that's that's my that's my tavern keeper voice. And um, here's mine. I'm the tavern keeper, Houston Bodley. I am commandeering uh, this tavern from you, Brian. No, no. There's a reason I there's a reason I decided I was going to host this episode. I didn't want the tavern keeper coming back. But um, it's time for a mystical journey. Uh, if you're listening and you're like, hey, I don't know what topic they're doing because I thought they said they were going to do something about Pokemon or something about some special mysterious thing. And this doesn't feel that special or mysterious. What's going on? What is more we decided to do this special instead. and mysterious than being whisked away on an adventure with your three favorite friends from a fantasy land far away? Exactly. I was going to so, say the way that I like to think of it is this it's it's the year 2020 and you can never predict what you're going to get from one week to the next. And so we're just staying on brand with seriously. that. We want to keep you guys on your toes. Yeah. If we say that we're going to release an episode next week and it's going to be one thing, it's probably going to be something else. So be prepared. Yeah, who knows? There's probably a good drinking game out of how many times we say we announced an episode and then had to uh, immediately yeah, say, yeah, we had technical difficulties because um, Corona ate So what it. we're doing... Uh, this is a fourth episode, so it's one of our, it's not really any of our individual episodes like we normally do. Um, but what we've decided to do on these fourth episodes is sometimes we'll do sort of a deeper dive into a previous topic that we have uh, set up. And uh, this is one of those. Uh, if you remember from episode, a very early episode, I don't remember which one, we established the, the, the fan. <laughs> we couldn't be bothered look it up, to get then, that prepared. Uh, there were technical recording. difficulties, so I couldn't. Um, <laughs> So uh, we, we set up a world called the Practitions, um, where, where there was sort of a magic system built on uh, sort of you have to learn just normal sciences and and things that you would learn in school. And then once you learn them at a certain level, that's what magic is. OK, that, that's sort of all we had fleshed out with the magic system. I, and we've created characters for that world and we've created some I story think we for got that to world. The... But for the most part, it's uh, that's the idea. What were we going to say, Houston? I think we got to the point where you could learn the sciences and by becoming master scientists, so to say, um, or practitioners as we call them, you were then able to manipulate right. the rules of science. Yeah, it's like if, if you learn physics so at. well, you learn how to manipulate the law of gravity eventually, right? And then you can levitate or teleport. And we really haven't fleshed that out. And so I kind of had the idea when we were trying to figure out what this episode was going to be. I had the thought like, it'd be fun to kind of figure that out. Um, I think I feel like it has potential to get very heavy and very like technical, and I don't want it to be that for the sake of the podcast being interesting. But uh, I kind of thought we could talk about some different magic systems that we've seen in other places and see if like if there's anything we want to take from those or anything we want to make sure we we are not taking from those. For example, before we started recording, I was just talking about Brandon Sanderson and that whole magic system, which is probably a gold standard, right? Um, so actually, hopefully we're not steering too much into there. Oh, uh -oh, here comes Jake with the actually, actually, from what I understand, um, some like more seasoned, I could be getting this wrong, but I remember hearing about this from somewhere. Um, a lot of more seasoned 
fantasy authors take a very different approach to magic than Brandon Sanderson does. And oh yeah, I remember hearing a story about how Brandon Sanderson, when he was like up, or com- up and coming or something, he was like at some convention and they asked like, what's the most important thing about a magic system? And Brandon said something to the effect of, well, it needs to have rules that can't be broken like a science so that the actions and like the plot points make sense. And it's not just like a Deus Ex Machina in every situation with the magic. Yeah. Right. And everyone was like, whoa, like everybody lost their minds because yeah. in Brandon Sanderson's world, everything does have to make sense. So it's basically like you're wielding a power that has constraints. Whereas like then you have Gandalf where there's Gandalf's the prime example. Yeah, yeah. Gandalf's the prime example of you don't understand his magic. There is no rhyme or reason. He can just do things. He has whatever power he needs for the story to move along. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm curious yeah. to hear what you guys think in which one is correct. Well, to build off of that, I think my personal favorite magic system is from the King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. Um, this is Name of the Wind or Wise Man's Fear. And hopefully this year, the third book, finally. Um, but he has that whole uh, concept behind his magic system, which is called sympathy uh, in that book. And it basically has three fundamental laws, much like Isaac Newton's three laws of gravity or not gravity. Um, what am I thinking of? Anyways, it has scientific thermodynamics. Yeah, that it. Yeah. Um, anyways, it has. I don't know if that's Newton. Honestly, I think it is. The one about like there cannot be an op- for every action there is that's, an opposite and equal reaction. That, that's gravity. That is gravity. Hold on, that's Newton's f- f- like first <laughs> Newton's laws of motion. <laughs> Are we called. sure we want to make a science based magic it's system Newt- here? It's Newton's laws of motion. Laws of motion. I think, uh, they're uh, they're structured after that same idea where it's essentially like yeah. these very. Uh, like the magic system is you cannot create energy or destroy it. You're simply just distributing it. Um, yeah. And then like the, in well, order to law make of conservation come, of matter, right. Or it's an analog to law of conservation of matter and energy, that kind of thing. Exactly. Also and so there works. are huge consequences. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. See, this is interesting. I've like, I feel like I've Mistborn is the first magic system I've really paid attention to. And I think it's probably because, it is so clear to see, oh, there are rules. This is how it works. Um, another magic system is most role-playing game systems, right? Like, I feel like that is something worth bringing up, too. Um, is, like, I would actually love reading a book where a, a sorcerer is like, oh, I only have this many spell slots left today, you know? <laughs> Can we take a long rest? Wouldn't that be interesting if there was, Guys. like, a fantasy novel where you read and they were like, yeah, that's it for today, like... I just want, we, like, I just want the wizard in this, like, story or this movie or whatever to actually be carrying around, like, a character sheet. And anytime he, like, casts a spell, he's like, all right, that's one spell slot for today. That's one spell today. Guys. Okay, Guys. three left. Guys, do you think it's worth burning my level six spell? Do you think this is it? Or is there a bigger fight later? What do you think? Guys, depending on the subclass that I choose to study from here on out, I might be able to recover some of my spell slots if I just do nothing for an hour and take a short rest. We yeah. cool with that? So none of this is really in line with the, the practitioner's model that we've set up. But honestly, if we want to just make a movie right now about that, I'd be pretty into it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I really like the idea. Because they're making a Dungeons & Dragons movie. It's sort of in process right now. But you know it's just going to be like some nerd garbage. 
There's no way I'm going to like it. I don't think. All I, don't, I, want, I don't want a world that's just set in the Dungeons & Dragons universe because that's not that interesting. Yeah. I want a game that captures the feeling of playing Dungeons & Dragons or a movie. And I don't think they will do that because they're kind of edgelords. The most important <laughs> thing for me to hear from that movie is a guy at some point just being like, hey, hold on. He pulls a bag of chips out of his his like travel sack, <laughs> takes a bite, and then turns to the enemies and says, hey, um, I'm going to try and persuade you here. Hold on. <laughs> he makes like a little hand gesture as though he's rolling, even though there's not uh, a dice there. And then turns to ever turns to the camera straight up, comes in real close and then says, Hey, uh, that was a natural fail. Um, and then you just hear this <laughs> voice from on high, just being like, so you failed so bad at persuading them that you bit your tongue and then just playing it out like that. Like I need Honestly, every scene to be something to that extent. I, I will admit, I kind of love the idea of a character that, his power is just literally that he found a set of magic dice. Like there was some kind of like, okay. And we could get like really meta about this. Like there was some kind of collision between the worlds of our reality and the, and the world of fiction. And so the, the like role-playing dice actually fell into the realm of fiction and the characters wielding them. And so he can basically just state whatever he wants to do. And then he rolls the dice and fate yeah. determines the outcome and so he can do things like so it's like because then it kind of p- places constraints on it where he doesn't just have the ability to do whatever he wants he says yeah. like he's getting attacked by a bear and he says i cut your head off and then he rolls the dice and if it's a 20 then he just like magically has the ability to swing his sword around and cut the bear's head off I, yeah i feel like the, the this is, is like love when child they, what, of harvey dent two-face and gambit from yeah. x-men and they're given a set of dice Love it. Okay, I just figured this. I figured out how to work this into the practitioner's universe. One of the fields of study should just be probability. Ooh. And once you understand probability to a certain level, you understand set theory and you understand like all of the things and how, and you understand like how to avoid gambler's folly and you, you basically get a degree in statistics. You can then manipulate probability, which that's, I've actually, I think I described that to someone and they're like, that sounds like an anime. So I don't want to do that, but um, I think it's a good system for this specific school of magic to be able to say like this person can like see probability, and so they're able to maybe what maybe what the ability really boils down to is you're able to see like okay, you know very clearly that is a very low chance of succeeding. Is it worth taking that risk? You're able to like weigh risks perfectly in a way that you can know okay, it's not even worth trying that. Let me wait a second and try something else when the probability is better. So um, this is kind of like Dr. Strange doing the whole. Yeah, it is kind of, a, it's very Dr. Strange. And then knowing how to make the probability uh, fall in his favor, essentially. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of classes within this world are just going to have the like numbers flying around their face, like in the memes, <laughs> this, uh, which is pretty cool. I have to, I have to drop in one other thing that this reminds me of while we're just in nerd talk mode. Houston, I don't think Brian, you've watched any, but Houston, have you watched any Rick and Morty? A little bit, yes. Okay, so first, first episode of season seasons. four, uh, Morty gets a like a, this crystal that when he puts it on his head, it allows him to see his own death. And so basically what he does is he decides that he wants a particular death, which is dying by the side of this 
girl that he has a crush on. And so every like tiny little micro decision that he makes is changing the outcome. And so it basically plays on this whole idea of if you like, if your fate is constantly changing because of the micro decisions that you're making and because of circumstances around you, but you're trying to, to hone in on one of them, he's like being guided by this crystal. And like when the image of his, of the death that he wants starts to get fuzzy, he knows that he needs to like move in another direction and like take a slightly yeah, different decision. Um, and then it just turns into a bunch of mayhem as those shows always do. But so I think this really brings up a good point and this kind of alludes to the consequences of a magic system um, where like Harry Potter, you can cast magic and there's really no repercussions. Um, referring to what I was uh, talking about earlier with King Killer Chronicles is because you can't create or destroy energy, you have to pull the energy from something. So if you wanted to, uh, like really cause havoc on someone. If you don't have a good energy source, you have to pull it from yourself and then it drains all of your energies and leaves you with binders chills is what they call it, where you're binding yourself to the magic and it saps all of your life force, essentially. Um, I like this idea where uh, it might not even have physical consequences per se, but like, if you have this extreme knowledge of probability and you know how to manipulate it, if you're too focused on it, like this Rick and Morty situation, it can drive you crazy. So maybe the most elite magic users are just like gone overboard at this point. They're just kind of falling off the grid. And so they become incredibly dangerous. Uh, And you have to find that balance between manipulating the rules too much and becoming too focused on it. And yeah, uh, essentially having I really like that a life tether. Well, another thought too is, what if as you practice this this whatever this power, the the area around you becomes more predictable, right? Because you are you you have a better idea of how things are going to work. That you're you're decreasing the predictable or you're increasing the predictability. So somewhere in the universe, things have to get crazier and weirder. And it's kind of a wild magic surge, like uh, with a wild magic surge sorcerer. Um, but From it doesn't D&D. happen around you. It just happens somewhere completely different. And you kind of have to like live with that, knowing that you're creating disorder somewhere else. So it's, it's, that's an interesting way of looking at it's it. It's basically like manipulating chaos theory of like. Yeah, that's chaos theory. I'm sitting in a Jeep talking to myself. That's chaos theory. So is Ian <laughs> <I know>. Malcolm. <laughs> is he in Malcolm? in the movie version of the practitions when we get the rights to it. And by Ian Malcolm, I, I did mean that. Jeff Goldblum, I mean, I, but now yeah. I want it to be Jeff Goldblum playing Ian Malcolm, playing Ooh. a crazy sorcerer <laughs> and as and, Ian Malcolm. Yeah. And here's a fun, like way to add in like kind of an ethical dilemma, like aspect of that kind of power. So like, let's say Ian Malcolm, you know, he uses that example in Jurassic park of saying like, Hey, like you think that, you know, the water droplet's going to run this way and it ends up running that way because world, the world is just chaos. It's unpredictable, whatever. Like he has yeah. the, uh, he has the ability to make it do what he wants. But there, then there is like, like you said, a repercussion elsewhere that is magnified by like a hundred times. So he, like if he decides that he wants that water yeah. droplet, if he decides he wants that water droplet to fall this way and he makes it so then there's like a dam that breaks and floods a village across the world or something. Yeah, sort of a butterfly effect thing. That's to make, really interesting. To make up like for a him, monkey's like interfering with chaos situation to some extent. 
What was that? A monkey's paw situation. If you want to get really scary with it and horrifying. Um, uh, something I want to do though, before we delve more into this is I, in a broad sense, I want to pick the classes of magic. Um, like okay. in D and D, for example, you have transmutation magic, the, uh, yeah. essentially transfiguration for the Harry well, and within, or, uh, and divination. Those, those schools of magic are within wizardry, right? Yeah. And so there, we also need to factor in, there's also several types of sorcerers and several types of warlocks and several types of, right. And we have made a warlock distinction, um, yes. previously, but we haven't really dug into that either. So for yeah, now, on. let's focus on the ones that are the practitioners, so to say. Um, okay. this is the science magics. So based off of what we've already discussed, probability is one or statistics. If you want to use actual math or science terms, uh, yeah. Physics, obviously you can play with gravity and whatnot a lot. Uh, chemistry would be more of like an alchemical, uh, style of magic. Um, yeah. biology, probably like a shape shifting sort of ability or transmutation property. Yeah. Uh, earth science. Um, psychology could be a, like a charisma based psychology. Uh, yeah. Sort of manipulating people. Exactly. Um, you could do, I almost want some sort of like cooking based almost where you can, what would <laughs> that almost feels like a subclass of chemistry, right? Yeah. Of so knowing maybe how things like will an, interact. Yeah. So like they live in this world where everyone's just like eating mud pies and he's just like can make like bomb <laughs> banana bread. Yeah. But somewhere in the world, somewhere else in the world, the mud pies are even worse than usual. <laughs> it's all it's all a trade off. There's a banana famine across the world if he wields his power to make banana bread. Yeah. Um. So we've we've been sort of like playing with this idea of like I use my power here and somewhere else in the world the opposite needs to sort of happen. And usually it's dispersed, right? Like I feel like if I do one, one act of magic within my field in 20 other places, a smaller version will be the opposite. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I produce a flame and 20, 20 flames dim slightly. Does that, that feel right? Yeah. Well, like and, it's just a transfer. But, I, but I have no way of controlling where they are. That's where the training comes from and why maybe yeah, okay. this magic has died out. Why people are hesitant to, teach it because there is a big learning curve and so like if you bring on a new pupil who's not ready they yeah. create one fireball and put out someone's fire somewhere else because they haven't learned how to disperse yeah. that over 20 different fires or something i really like that i i so we haven't really classified our magic system into higher low magic but i think it is pretty low magic right like it's it's fairly i think it's fairly common in the world but it's it, it's not like everyone is casting spells all of the time and it's not uh, like they can use it as some like like if if they do it to you to do something like very big, then it's like a very, very big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. they can't just like always be saving the day by like implementing their magic. Most of the time it's very subtle, yeah. subtle things that they do. And then, you know, any kind of like big performance of that magic would be like kind of the climax of the entire story. I think yeah. so it what, works what thematically to, to make it that it is a low magic and that it's seldom used. And I think you can wind something into the story where there is a whole organization that is completely like they have very reasonable uh, grounds to do so uh, who are just trying to eliminate 
any means of learning this magic or like uh, imprisoning yeah. or getting rid of people who know this because they've seen the consequences of people who go too far with this. Like even if yeah. they are good, it just has such destructive capabilities if not managed well. Um, and so I think that I really like the element of almost like this Lex Lutherian approach like if the magic is Superman, so to say, like these common people who are getting everyone to somehow turn on something that seems so good. Um, Got it. That's maybe a weird uh, analogy, but hopefully it makes sense. Yeah. So there, there's some governing body saying like this, this power is too much. We need to like control it and make sure uh, that it's not too much. I, I also thought about in some cultures, they could build up sort of religious rights around it to, to protect against the overusing it. So it's like, oh, if you're going to do that, you you have to purify yourself by climbing to the top of the mountain and back. Um, you have to fetch mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? I feel like stuff like, like that. that could there, there could be some cultures that build up sort of protections around the magic to say, like, you cannot just do this every day. Um, that could be really interesting. What I was what I was realizing and what this is building up to in my mind is. Remember who the main character of the practitioners is? It's the cartographer. Uh huh. And Might that makes a lot boy. of sense with everything we're talking about. What if the cartographer, he's the reason, or uh, he's the reason that all of this sort of changes. He brings the whole world into sort of a new age of magic because he discovers a new way to track and keep track of where those side effects are happening and learn how to control them. I think that's a really interesting thing for his quest to be to say like, Hey, when you lit that bonfire, I know how to go and track the, the 20 other places in the world where the power went down slightly, right? Yeah. And so he needs a team to go help him research this theory. So he needs someone with some psychological skills to help him do interviews and find out secrets, that kind of thing. I think hmm. I think this is actually like a pretty good way to to make our main character important. Well, not only that, but I think it leads directly into him learning one of these and appreciating the significance of this type of magic like he could be so do you think he has a magic other than cartography or does he just have well, the best cartography well i was gonna say like geology to some extent or geography however okay. you, uh, some version of that where he is able to manipulate the earth and because he is a cartographer and has studied the earth and whatnot for so long he has seen all these different effects of what it's doing yeah. to uh, manipulate with mother nature so to say so if you are he wants to learn about, okay, what if you are uh, heedlessly working about with gravity? Is there some random person just flying off into space right now because uh, you are using your magic to knock someone down or yeah. something? Um, I like yeah, this. interesting. One thing we haven't established, does the general world know that magic powers come from a natural extension of natural laws or do they think it's just some mystic power? Because that that also changes how things work, right? Um, like, it, it, say, say someone is just a geologist. They're studying rocks. They are learning about continental drift and tectonic plates and the crust and mantle and stuff. And they get really good at it and they know it really well. Is it going to be a surprise to them that they are then able to manipulate it? Or is it sort of built into it? Or maybe some fields it's more established and some it's not? I'm a fan of the whole, like, okay, I'm I'm a fan of, ooh, this is what I'm a fan of. 
So I like what Houston said about like there are people that are trying to stop it. What if it was like, yes, they know about it. They know that it's a thing, but it's like strictly taboo, right? Like you're yeah. you're not supposed to do it because of like how bad the repercussions could be. But but then you have people who are like sort of the chaotic good in the situation, right? Of they're like, I want to do this, but I will do it in a way that will like be a net benefit for mankind rather than a net negative, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then you can get into a lot of like philosophical, interesting things about it. Like, is it, is it okay to like cause chaos in one place if like order is necessary in another, you know what I mean? Yeah. What kind of trigger would cause, uh, cause people to rethink whether this is acceptable or not. Like, um, there could be some dark force or some sort of, uh, maybe it's just people who are abusing this power, something that gets people to think, Hey, maybe we should bring this type of magic back into the world. Cause we need it in order to stop whatever's going on. Uh, yeah. Will we have some sort of trigger like that? that I got it. That to me feels like you're using magic to drive the plot, uh, which I think is necessary. Like, I in any magic system like it's cool to make one but it helps if there is something that is tangentially connected to it in the story to make it more yeah. than just oh it's just this piece that I'm adding to the story but it's rather it's intertwined I've got it I know what the I know what the event is that causes everyone to rethink whether they need to use this power and that is a fleet of conquistadors from space oh my gosh. <laughs> that arrive suddenly riding a bunch of space horses. Oh my goodness. And there we have, together. there we have our crossover. And so now this is a Pokemon magic system. Uh, Guys, I think, I think so, for some people, this may be their first episode. So like, I hope that's not super confusing. It's already confusing enough that we're, we're riffing on a book concept that we came up with a year ago. Um, and now it's tied in with our Pokemon <laughs> RPG. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really do think that that the cart the cartography is sort of the inciting event, and I think we have to have it established that for every field, there is a different level of knowledge about it. Like, say, what if say something practical? Like, I'll go with I'll go with my lighting of fire example. What if most people know that you can magically start a fire? And, and and you can accept that somewhere in the world, other torches will dim and everyone's kind of accepted that. And everyone kind of knows that's how it works. Right. Mm-hmm. But they don't know it applies to other things the same way automatically. So maybe there's some things like, Oh, we have a trade guild that everyone within our guild knows how it works. We've been doing it for centuries. Um, but no one else, no one outside of the guild can know it. Maybe there's sort of a Masonic organization that's saying like, Hey, this is a secret that we protect because it means that we can do a job that no one else can, right? Like maybe they're good at manipulating gravity and lifting things for construction, right? Maybe there's a construction guild that uh, is able to do stuff like that. And it's completely plain knowledge to them, but they keep it a secret because it benefits them. So what's the inciting incident though, that is making this such a question? Like, are we determining that the majority of the magic users in this universe are bad and something is causing the like more of these to appear than there used to be. And so we need people to stop the magic 
or is there um, someone who's... I don't think we need to stop the mag. I don't think I think magic users is bad. I think that's a. Uh, I think what we have established is that the bad guys are trying to take a shortcut and not learn the rules of magic, right? Yeah. We established so, that they are going through a warlord route or a warlock route and trying to just establish a connection with a god. And but, so I feel like having that be the negative makes more sense. Okay, so you're thinking of maybe a whole different magic system, not through this learning of science and math, but yeah. like a warlock pact, so to say. And so they're cheating. They're using a, a darker form of magic. So the people who were initially maybe neglecting or choosing to uh, forego learning the practitioner's magic are now having to do it. And it's taking longer because yeah. it's obviously not tied to some dark deity who's granting the blessings. Uh, and it's yeah. also incredibly dangerous because you have to understand the consequence of it. But when you yeah. manage it, it can, it follows the laws of nature better than maybe this dark magic. So it's not as glitchy. And maybe that yeah. is a element to this. I think that's good. So another, as you we were talking, another thought I had was what, so the thing I established of maybe some cultures have established sort of rites and uh, sort of ceremony around different uses of magic. What if someone wants to take a shortcut and they just learn the ceremony, but they know that the ceremony has, it includes the steps of doing the magic. And so they don't know what they're doing. They don't know like, Oh, I am carefully, manipulating this and accepting that there may be a risk of this. And I know that I am manipulating this because I've studied it and I understand it. They're just saying, Oh, I found these steps. I can go through these steps and it will do this thing for me. Um, because it calls on this God and, and maybe it's these, these aren't even real gods, right? It's just that you're following the instructions that were laid out, uh, around the use of this magic that could say like, yeah, I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'm just following the steps and it's, it's doing the magic and I don't understand the repercussions. And I don't understand how to control it. And I don't understand. And it's going to be glitchy. Like you said, like, I think that's a perfect way to have it manifest. Now, a new question. <laughs> Are we unintentionally making this come off as an anti-religion? theme to all of this? Uh, I thought about that. I, I think there are just also gods though. Like why not? So I don't care. Um, I, I like the idea that in this world, there are gods of science who created these laws. Um, and they, well, I, I think we've established, well, at least in my mind, I don't know if I've explained this fully to you guys, but I, I have talked about how the warlock can grant powers because he fully understands them or the, the, the patron can grant powers to a warlock because he fully understands it. And I think that can work. But when people try to fake it, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there may be legitimate legitimate ceremonies and illegitimate ceremonies. Both of them can produce some form of the desired effect. But if if you're not actually going through it with uh with a patron or you don't you haven't done the study to understand it yourself, it's going to be glitchy and it's going to be unreliable and it's just going to be more chaotic. Does that make does that sort of jive how it how it works in my mind is the more you get away from a, the more just intuitive i guess you tr like maybe intuitive is not the best word but the more you just try to do the magic based off of gut feeling as opposed to understanding the principles behind it uh the more squampus it's going to be 
if that makes sense. So it's encouraging this almost like this faith with knowledge concept. Like it's uniting. uh, If you understand science and you have faith with the science almost, then you're able to (laughs) expound past. I I, I think it's, I think it's two routes to the same thing. Either you can fully understand the science and, and, and learn it and understand it and internalize it and then do it. Or you can build a relationship with a higher power who understands it, who can then teach you and sort of grant this kind of thing. Those are both legitimate. But if you ever just like say like, oh, that person did that. I'm going to copy what they're doing and steal that. That's when it gets glitchy. I think that's okay, maybe the best way to handle it. I'm going to bring us full Part circle Part of this is here. we have merged two separate systems, uh, and it's interesting trying to figure out how they merge. I'm going to I'm gonna bring us full, full circle on part of our previous Here conversation um, because I, I'm going to bring us back to Jurassic Park because I feel like there are actually some shared <laughs> themes here that we can play with. Um, so essentially... And, maybe we shouldn't have done this. <laughs> basically, we got so excited about so what we could do, we didn't stop to think whether we should do this. Right. Yeah. Well, that could, be a, that could very much be a, a theme that kind of comes into play with this. But so going back to what you said, Houston, of like, oh, well, is this going to sound anti-religious or whatever? Well, I don't think we need to make it anti-religious or pro-religious because we can have a benevolent God that represents a negative side or a, <laughs> a benevolent God that represents the positive side of this and then a okay. malevolent God that represents the negative. And the malevolent God is malevolent a word. Yeah, it sure sounds like it should be. Okay. Yeah, I think so. The malevolent god is basically You're thinking of Maligulus? Oh, the malig that's it. The Maligulus <laughs> god is basically based on the philosophy of John Hammond from Jurassic Park, which is basically look at this cool thing we can do. We have the power, so why no shouldn't expense. we Yeah, spare no expense. Why shouldn't we yield it? Let's yield it and see what happens. And <laughs> is then there an obviously accounting magic. I think that would be important. <laughs> and then obviously Wait, an accounting magic? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> like to help him okay. with accounting? Maybe just he's able to manage taxes across the country so well that mm. everyone is fed. But in a different country, their ma- money is super mismanaged and everyone's in chaos because there's no good purchasing power over The there. stock market crashes. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nerd. Yes. But so then, okay, so the malevolent God is inspired by John Hammond. And then obviously the benevolent God is Jeff Goldblum. And he actually <laughs> understands the dangers of chaos theory and what happens when you yield a power that you don't understand. So is he a God of order and the other is a God of chaos? Uh, well, is that the both, binary we're sort of operating on? S- well, I don't think necessarily. I think they're both gods okay. that play, like they're both gods that play with both of those ideas, but one of them in a good way, okay. one of them in a bad way. If that makes sense. Fair. Also, have I been saying yields power? Well, yields power, wields power, should be wields power, uh, right? Or yields. Yeah, I mean, a, a patron can... could yield power to a warlock. Oh, I think the word I've been but looking the for is would definitely wield wield, the power, because wield is like to hold and use. Yes. Okay, I meant to say wield for any... You cannot wield it. Don't at me on Twitter, all you grammar nerds. Yeah. I, I love that we do have a, a John Hammond god and a Jeff Goldblum god. And their names uh, are just John Hammond and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> one of them won the character from Jurassic Park, one the actor. <laughs> because I don't know the actor's name who plays John Hammond. I do, because I just looked him up. His name is Richard... Uh, 
Attenborough? No, <laughs> wait. Richard Alfred. No, no. Alfred is the middle name of the actual character, John Hammond. Is he also the Santa it? Claus on Miracle on 34th Street? He really is. Oh, wait. Huh. It is Richard Attenborough. I told is you. He related what? to David Attenborough? Weird. I don't know, maybe. Whoa, whoa, he is. His brother's David Attenborough. <laughs> what? I had no idea. I just pulled up his Wikipedia and it says Richard Attenborough, actor, relations, David Attenborough, brother. Do David we have Attenborough a third is the guy God? that narrates the Planet Earth videos, right? Yeah, and yeah, like all kinds of like nature documentaries. Do we they have a third brothers. God who is just worried about the peace and safety of this great world that everyone lives on and that god's name is david attenborough i just want him i just want david attenborough to just be the narrator when the film rights get sold and he can just narrate <laughs> in the world of the uh, practitioners there is chaos and there is order okay so i think he is uh i think he is a, like the complete neutral right he's just reporting on what happens um so there are three gods there is John Hammond, <laughs> David Attenborough, <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> okay, but I think uh, I think the way we describe the positive and negative gods, I think they're knowledge and ignorance, right? Both of them are seeking power, but one of them does it through knowledge, and one of them does it through ignorance. Okay. And David Attenborough is there just to like, he doesn't care about power; he just cares about the way things are, and that's kind of Zen. Um, I, I like, do you think a lot of this needs to build to like the seventh book in the series or whatever, where we, uh, Richard Hammond or, uh, hold on. <laughs> I, I'm combining stuff now. Richard Attenborough John Hammond. or John Hammond. No, we, we can't call him Richard Attenborough because I'll mix him up with David Attenborough. He has okay. to stay John Hammond where John Hammond's followers are breaking the magic so much or at least like the the copycats of the Hammond followers where they are creating splinches in reality because like they're trying to uh, copy time magic and it's just like putting people at different paces and messing with that or the gravity is just getting distorted or stuff like that. I'm fascinated with this idea of the rules of reality that keep everything bound that both good and evil have to have uh, follow in order to function. Um, like breaking these rules of reality will just completely create chaos on a level that we can't even comprehend or even follow. I think yeah. that is the truest evil beyond just like the corruption and greed of yeah. power. And I think that is something that it should ultimately be building to that the heroes have to work through. I, yeah, I really like that. I feel like we could work it in work into like a principle of you need at least some base level of order to create more order. And so as soon as there's enough chaos, it's a point of no return, right? Mm -hmm. That just like there's just absolutely no chance. Uh, entropy has won. Uh, I, I actually think this is stolen a little bit from Mistborn. <laughs> there is a power of ruin and of preservation. And maybe we're dipping too far into that. Oh, man. If Crystal this hears point, this but, episode... Uh, my wife, Crystal, is Seriously. the biggest Mistborn nerd ever, so she'll approve. Yeah, so uh, I am just finishing the third Mistborn book, so maybe that is leaking too much into my ideas here. Well, I okay, a, I think we, can, we can iron all that out later.
I was just going to say, I think um, Jurassic Park is leaking heavily into my ideas right now for some reason. So that's okay. I did watch yeah. Jurassic Park on Saturday. I'm going on the record. Guys, guys, I'm yes, declaring sir. it right now. Jurassic Park is my favorite movie. Whoa. It's a great movie. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. That's this, a big um, statement from a movie yeah. buff. Yeah. I don't care if it's the best movie. I don't care if it's... Yeah. I. It's just my jam. That is, it is my movie. It is, like, just to plain and simple, it is very fun to watch. Every scene uh, in that movie intrigues me. I know there are flaws, like... There's obviously super stupid stuff like, like dinosaurs aren't real, like dinosaurs aren't <laughs> can't be made. Uh, a lot of people always point out to like, oh, yeah, the T-Rex cage. Like, why is he able to walk around and then suddenly it turns into a cliff that Sam Neill falls down later or whatever? Like, hmm. I don't okay, there's care. also the part that they, they fall off. They're like they have to take forever climbing down when the car falls on them. Right. Yeah. And then later. um, What's her face? Uh, Laura Dern is just like, oh, let me walk down there and check what's going on. And she's down there in like two seconds. Anyway. Yeah, I like I can justify that by saying like, oh, there's probably yeah. a ladder there. That's fine or whatever. There's a time cut or, well, a, or a time cut even. Yeah, you know? I don't care no. about any of those plot holes. <laughs> Every scene engages me so much that yeah. I just find myself coming to peace with who I am as a person and what wow. my hobbies well, and are. I mean, Whenever I, 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 watch I will say movie. it of, of all dinosaur based movies it has the best magic system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, you like, got a point. It actually makes sense. Um, okay. Paleontology. That's a field of study. Once you master it, you can bring fossils back to life. Okay. Uh, this is where I was going to transition earlier. Uh, what's your nice. magic? If you guys are a character in this universe, what's your magic? Mine's paleontology. I dibs it. Um, that's a good question. Cause like I, and I, I think, I don't think we have to be consistently uh, the thing I've struggled with in this is like physics is so broad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's so broad. Like in this thing, like how, how do you apply like the peak of physics? I don't think we have to worry about them being misbalanced. I think you can learn a portion of physics. I think you can learn a portion of chemistry. Uh, and those are sort of subclasses. So I, I don't think it's pr a problem to say I focus on cooking or I focus on, Maybe you're more capable of studying a broader subject like all of chemistry. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. um, um, that's how the real world is, right? Like you can specialize as much or as little as you want. So uh, keeping that in mind, I, I do want to answer this question, but I, I'm stalling. Um, Jake, I stalled for you. Dang it. Um, stall like just a little bit longer. Political science. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Mine would be political science, but I ha actually have the ability to like take polls and have it actually change public opinion rather than just record it. That'd be interesting. Uh, mostly... I really understand like the ins and outs of, of uh, political parties and that kind of thing. And just be able to like subtly influence them. I think, I think with all of these, there's a, there's a limit of how much you can control. Are we dabbling but, uh... too close to wishful thinking now at this point? Uh, yeah. Um, and, and I would like to say, I don't think I would want this power in real life, but I would want it in this fantasy world we made up. I don't want to be in charge of that. Um, and to specify, I think paleontology for mine is a subset of the biology magic. That's what makes sense. I me. think so too. You, you could make an argument for geology, but if you're, if you're working towards 
bringing them to life. I think biology. If I my end goal is to ride a triceratops, I think it's biology. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Are you guys ready? I have my answer. Yes. All right. I just pulled up um, a gigantic list of ologies. I'm just going to like spin my scroll wheel and scroll down the page, close my eyes and see where it lands. And that's the one I have. You're going to use your probability magic. Yep. <laughs> I am going to study Japanology, the study of Japanese people. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have a discriminatory word and an ology combined? No, it's like, like Egyptology. It's the same. It's yeah, the same. That's J- not, I don't think it's offensive. No, Japan. It's uh, literally Japan. You, you study that the culture oh, and the culture of that country. I literally thought you said Japology is what I know. I did not say that. That's why that's why I was offended. I'm sorry. I oh, probably okay. I probably pronounced <laughs> it. I probably pronounced it in a way that I shouldn't. It like it's probably Japanology. Japan Japanology. Not Japanology. I mean, it, um, I don't know. So, so some guy is sitting around a campfire, and he's like, "Huh, I wonder about that country really far to the <laughs> to the east." Huh, I'm going to learn more about its culture, and then they're able to create it because it doesn't exist, <laughs> and they create Japan because they're a Jap- Japanologist. Yes. And yeah, I'm a Japanologist. And basically, What's Japan? They can then wield the power of anime and like they can <laughs> wield the power of Pokemon. It, it all comes bundled together. Every element of Japanese. Are you saying Japanese... they have the power of God and anime on their side? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite vines. Okay. Uh, I, I'm really glad I've got. so good. I'm really glad I've got all the magic that comes from Miyazaki films. I'm good to go. Yeah. Man, Japanology is pretty solid, actually. I, I think we do. I, I think one of these episodes will eventually be creating a map for our world and there will just have to be a Japan for some reason. <laughs> That's the exact size and shape of the real yeah. Japan in the real world. I mean, there's no getting around it now. You brought this yeah. curse upon us, Jake Bush. You guys need That's to really funny. check your text messages real quick. I just, I just <laughs> sent you the movie poster. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> So I'm looking at uh, this. There's a picture of David Attenborough, I assume, and uh, Richard Attenborough. Brothers, I learned tonight. Brothers and Richard Attenborough says there is chaos. And David Attenborough says there is order. And then can we. The practitioner is coming soon. Can we please have Uh, a window behind them with uh, Jeff Goldblum peeping through the drapes? Yeah, you can't see it very well here. But he's there. He's always there. He's always there. Oh, boy. Man, this list of ologies is fascinating. I think every time we do one of these episodes, we have to decide if we're going to finally change the name practitions. Um, because again, we've been saying practitioners most of the time this episode. I think we have to change it. I don't like practitioners anymore. I, I, I don't like practitioners either. I legitimately thought practitions was like the broad concept and then a, a, a follower or a, an exerciser of the practitioner oh, magic was a practitioner is how I, Ooh, interpret. I thought Ooh. they were a practitioner because they're like a magician. I've got, I've got, okay. That's how I thought I've about got it. a really, really cool name, but I honestly don't like either of them. I've got a really cool name for this book and it's kind of just going a different direction. It's like not referring to the people okay. or anything. It's just like the overall concept of the novel. And I love this title. It just, it just came into my head. I'm pretty sure it was inspiration from Jeff Goldblum. Is it Jurassic Park? The book is called The Book is called The Science of Chaos. Okay. Because that's basically sums oh, what up if, what it's all oh. about, right? Yeah. 
More or less. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park is a chaotician. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, I brought a mathematician. Chaotician. 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 It doesn't feel magic enough. Life uh, finds a way. Chaotic. What if our book? What if our book is just called Chaos Theory? I, well, Chaos I worry, Theory is interesting. I worry though that people would read that cover and they like think it's nonfiction because it's just about a theory. Well, what if every third book is the actual written out terminology of Chaos Theory and explaining its merits? <laughs> I think. I think like just switching the order of the words and saying the theory of chaos makes it sound more like a book. Can we do an anagram of chaos theory and come up with a more fantastical sounding word? Hold we, on. We can do anything now that we have the internet. What if we call okay. it chaosology? Ology, ology is actually an interesting thing to build off of. What if I was just like an ologer? Ology like someone who, is the magic now. Yeah, like ology just is the name of the magic and we spell it differently. What if it's like an ollie on a skateboard? <laughs> now we're getting somewhere <laughs> and those type of those who can do ollies are very good at physics magic yeah uh, chaos theory is an anagram for crapshoot is it really <laughs> no it's not uh, There's no P. oh this is adding in no. like this is like yeah this is like it adds Scrabble. a letter to help you yeah there are no anagrams for chaos theory that work sorry well, we don't need it to be a real word, right? So I'm I'm actually just looking at the letters here. What if it's called practical chaos? That's Ooh. interesting. I like that actually. I like that a lot. That's pretty cool. Also, I'm just kind of like my brain's starting to power down. So, oh yeah, fair enough. I I don't uh, know how much more I've got to contribute to this. The last the last brain cell I have, it, it, I, this may not make any sense at all, is going to say. The, the unit of energy of chaos is called a kaon. Kaon. I like it's it. like an ion, but it's a kaon. C-H-A-O-N. Um, what, if it, what if it's chaonics? Chaonics is a cool sounding word. That is really cool, actually. What if we get a partnership with Lego and then we call it chaonicals? <laughs> chaonicals Mindstorm. Ooh, the chaonical chronicles. <laughs> there it is. The Chaotical Chronicles, we did it. Uh, uh, I, I actually like cha- Chaonics a lot. And if you if you are a person who does them, you're a K-knocker. <laughs> Wait. A cocker. What, what did nope, I even say? I don't even one. remember what my word was. Chaons, Chaonics. Chaonmission yeah. is probably what it would be. I just want to I just Ka- want to throw this out there. I, I don't mean to, to rain on your parade, Brian, but do you think if we come up with the concept of some microscopic unit called a K-On, we're going to take the same heat that George Lucas took for midichlorians. Don't care. Yeah, you know what? Midichlorians are awesome. Screw it. Let's do this. Midichlorians kind of rock. The only reason anyone has a problem... Well, I have a problem with them too, but the reason there is a problem is that there was so much built up without them and then to like randomly throw them in. But if they're kind of at the core of everything we're doing, then yeah, we're not true. trying to be mystic. We're trying to like build off of science. So I think it makes sense to have it be explained. I think one of the... Uh, Big problems with Metachlorians 2 is that it became... Uh, Metachlorians 2, the sequel to Metachlorians. <laughs> two med- Metachlorians are the powerhouse of the Jedi. Two okay. Medis, two Chlorians. Um, <laughs> I think the other problem is that it then became... The Force became something that wasn't exposed to everyone. 
like you had to be born yeah. into the right heritage to be attuned to the force. Essentially. I think that was another big aspect of it that didn't sit yeah. well, at least for me. Well, and I, if they, I think if they had vaguely said, Hey, this kid's got a lot of many chlorians and it hadn't been like a blood test, then it might've like felt a little more mis- mystic still. So anyway, um, so there it is. We, we, we further refined. I won't say we like solved it or anything, but I think we've, we've, uh, Made some fun decisions about how our world is going to work within the Chaonix universe. It sounds good. Chaonix yeah, I like calling it here, the Chaonix universe. Here is what I think we go with Brian's phrase, Chaonix. I think the episode title is Jake's Chaonical Chronicles. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the name of the book series. Sponsored the by world is called... <laughs> the Chaonical Chronicles, <laughs> sponsored by Bionicle. <laughs> Each set um, sold separately. And I think... The world is called Chaonica. Like, that's the name of our universe. The books are called Chaonical Chronicles. Wait, wait, by wait, wait. In Harry Potter, they don't say, hey, welcome to the land of Magicka. They, they call it the wizarding world. It, but. <laughs> I, I'm saying for marketing. I'm saying, like, Brandon Sanderson talks about the Cosmere. We can talk about Chaonica. I don't think in the world they call it that. I definitely don't think they go, hey, this is the land of Scienza. Like, yeah, welcome to Blessed Chaotica. <laughs> a blessed morning to you. But that's fair. That can be the the grant, the meta picture, if you will. That's the meta name for it. Um, otherwise, it's just called Japan. <laughs> what if the what if the whole world is Japan? Welcome to the magical and world. So of Japanologists. Japan. No, that doesn't work. All right, let's end this episode before we get too off the rails. Um, Wait, first I need to you tell you find guys us? a story of something that <laughs> okay. happened to me in Shelly, Idaho when I was when delivering people. Oh, my God. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you want to find us on the internet, we are on at perfectbrainstorm.com. Uh, we're on Instagram at perfectbrainstorm. We are, I am starting to post there a little bit more. Um, Twitter at perfbrainstorm, uh, which mostly tells you when I post it on Instagram. Uh, and we've got a Facebook group that we're starting that exists. Uh, anyway. I think that's it. Uh, are we going to introduce our next topic or do we not do that on these fourth episodes? Um, seeing as we have like three different options is what our next topic is. I say we hold off. Keep tune in next week for a big surprise yeah. of what the episode is about. Just like this week. I'm Jake Bush. <laughs> I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bodley. And I wish you a very merry evening. Drive safe. Was that was that sign off inspired by Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, starring Richard Attenborough? <laughs> you know it was. Absolutely, he's our new god. So. <laughs> cool. All right. Along with Tom DeLonge, there it is. Oh, okay. We have oh, to goodness. leave. We have to leave the episode at least till there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye. 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 Darkness floods your eyes. See, don't waste your time on me. Don't waste your time on me.